If you hear frustration and sarcasm today, you are not wrong. I am extremely upset and decided to do this podcast right after my discussion with a good friend. I have wanted to do this topic for a long, long time, but have decided to postpone it. And in fact, I've thought really long about not doing this particular topic because I didn't want to upset anyone. But given how upset I am, I think I will do this topic and let you know my thoughts about what is going on in our industry. You probably heard me talk about this topic a little bit, and I've danced around this particular topic several times in my podcasts most recently, but I've never come out to actually talk about it and discuss it until today. So here's what happened. I had a chat on a phone call with a good friend, and he was telling me how he was trying to put on a conference surrounding the topic of of personal finances for physicians and healthcare professionals. This is exactly the type of conferences that we need. And here's what he said to me, that he was unable to get CME credits from the different um, colleges because it didn't fit their criteria. And so the way he had to go about this was to dance around the topic himself and label this as a wellness conference and discuss wellness. But in fact, he will also have workshops discussing personal finances and how to manage money. So all that to say that even our colleges are unwilling to help us discuss this openly and upfront. That to do this, we have to sneak in different topics and that we have to go around the bush. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. And yes, you heard my daughter right. So all this time I've had her do the intro, her and my son, where it is not a taboo for us to discuss this. Similar to, we don't want to discuss many things in our society. For example, just because we didn't want to discuss about drug use and heroin use doesn't mean people are not using it on the street and dying every day. Just the way we did not want to discuss uh, teenage sexuality and teen pregnancy, it doesn't mean it did not exist. The same way we did not want to discuss physician suicide just because we didn't discuss it doesn't mean it did not happen. And so why are we hiding? Why do we refuse to acknowledge the big white elephant in the room? We are hiding from the fact that we don't want to discuss physician finances and money and money management when 100% of physicians and healthcare professionals have challenges and issues with this topic. It is very interesting that every time I have conversations with my colleagues that we would be talking about money, we would be talking about investments, savings, our insurances, questions about insurances, questions about different types of investments, how to properly protect. We talk about all these things and yet when we go to a conference, we are not exposed to it at all. And what do we end up with? We end up with the blind leading the blind, constantly the blind leading the blind. 
the survey done by the CMA, where it showed that a little bit more than half of physicians actually know how to manage money. And that goes all the way to age 65. That means that even at the age of 65, many of us, almost close to half, are still not comfortable with managing money. So how do you expect physicians to retire comfortably and in security when they are still struggling with managing money? To this particular point, in my chat with this friend of mine, he brought up a few cases where people came to him and anecdotally said to him, they cannot retire at the age of 65 because financially they can't. Now, just listen to that and, and hear how sad that is, that as physicians, we are forced to continue to practice, not because we want to, because we are forced to, because we are financially in an insecure place. That should raise alarm bells for everyone, but it should raise alarm bells for the new generation of physicians coming on, because this is what we do in medicine. We see one, we do one, and we teach one. And so we teach our new generations the exact same mistake we made. It is no wonder that we are getting into burnout more easily and more frequently at a younger age and a younger time in our career because we are teaching our students the exact same mistakes we were making. And guess what? Nobody is helping us to change the course. In fact, many of us want to change the course, but we can't because we cannot deliver this in a conference. We cannot deliver this in a legitimate way where the credits and the hours of learning is accepted by the colleges. And so the colleges refuse to acknowledge the big elephant in the room and refuse to acknowledge the fact that these are issues that physicians, their own constituents, are dealing with and have challenges with. We have come a long way to have the college accept physician wellness, mindfulness, yoga, these different type of what I called soft topics to help with physician manage their career and their profession and deal with the stress of everyday life and everyday professional life. But why is it that the colleges still cannot accept the fact that financial stress is a huge part of physician stress and contributes in an enormous way to physician burnout? Like many before me, to get these topics into conferences, we have to circumvent and dance around the bush just to get the topics in. But even if we get the topics into the conference, the hours that we dedicate to the learning are not recognized by credits and are not recognized by the institution. Let me go through some things with the audience. And this is what I've seen throughout many blogs, websites, and Facebook pages. Burnout and depression in physicians often have their roots in medical school when students begin to take on debt and financial stress. It is no surprise to you and I that by the time medical students come out of the university and finishing their MD, I'm not even talking about the residency, finishing their four or five years of MD, the average medical student have a debt of two hundred and fifty to $300,000. 
Imagine starting your professional career and your life at minus two hundred fifty or minus three hundred thousand dollars in the hole. I suppose that these numbers are very similar for dentists as well. There is no other profession that asks of their members to start off life with a minus two hundred fifty to minus three hundred thousand dollars in debt. There is no such profession that does that currently, and that burden continues into residency, where residents make a minimum salary for the amount of work that they perform. Financial worries are stressful enough to be an actual cause of physician burnout in medical school and residency, and that persists into the working life of a staff physician. Money is an extremely important subject for physicians for a number of reasons. One, physicians are trained as physicians, and dentists are trained as dentists. They're not trained to manage money, and there is no time in the curriculum to teach us about money management and finances. And so, money issues and money questions are significant in a healthcare professional's life. When medical students and residents come out of university, the crushing debt of some of them and some of us take on in pursuit of our education makes it impossible to climb out of the hole. Also, as I mentioned earlier, most healthcare professionals know little about money, and therefore become easy victims for. So-called "quote-unquote" advisors, banks, and different people who sees us only as a dollar sign. Many physicians continue their career feeling anxiety and carry the anxiety around debt, savings, spending, and all things money-related. I don't know about you, but most physicians and healthcare professionals I've spoken to. Are notoriously bad with money, especially the notoriously bad spenders. Is this a problem unique to physicians? Of course not. But physicians, the dentists, nurses, people in the healthcare sector, are earning a higher income, and therefore they have more to spend, and this puts them in a deeper hole. Many have tried to study. Why physicians、uh, have burnout? What are the different contributors of physician burnout? And a lot of the studies will mention these as contributors: work factors, the fact that we cannot control our schedule. For example, people doing night shifts, people who do on calls.、Uh, they talk about electronic medical record and how much time is spent on electronic. Medical record and how much time is spent on charting. They talk about personal characteristics, physicians and healthcare professionals being self-critical, engaging in unhelpful coping strategies, sleep deprivation, overcommitment, perfectionism, idealism. But let me ask you that: Aren't those good qualities to have? And so, why are we blaming the individual? When sometimes the problem is the system, in my mind, it is clear 
that the problem is with the system. None of us have had proper financial literacy training. Other contributors of burnout, organized, organizational factors, a negative leadership behavior, workload expectation, insufficient reward, limited interpersonal collaboration, limited opportunities for advancement. But yet, in none of these studies do they ever mention money management and personal finance. Isn't that interesting? Why is it that even in research, we cannot talk about this taboo subject? And yet, when we do surveys and ask physicians, what would fix the 30 to 50% of doctors who are burnt out? What do you think physicians answered? The number one response was increasing compensation. Apparently, doctors don't make enough money. Well, this is absolutely false. And you and I know that. And so the issue is not about making more money. The issue is about how you keep most of the money that you make. And again, it comes back to financial literacy. So where is the disconnect? There's something wrong here. Colleges are saying, we don't need to know. Research is not looking into it. But yet, every single colleague that I speak to all have financial struggles and challenges, if not questions. A hundred percent. And where do you think our colleagues get our answers? from the internet, the same way our patients get their answers from Dr. Google. Well, if I'm getting my answers from Mr. Finance Google, how accurate is that? And if I'm not getting it through Finance Google, I'm going to go get it from a financial advisor. But how do I know if that financial advisor has fiduciary duty towards me? How do I even know that if I'm totally ignorant. And so that is why we need to have this type of literacy that are delivered at conferences and the hours accepted by credits. It just seems so logical to me. I don't understand why we don't get it and we don't accept the elephant in the room. I truly think it's because we keep perpetuating the same cognitive barriers. Again, it comes to the fact that money is a taboo subject in our community. And yet, money affects us all, whether we are physicians, dentists, secretaries, engineers, politicians, we are all affected by money. But yet, for some reason in our community, we can't talk about it. What do you think is the correlation between burnout and money? Your relationship with money might have something to do with your burnout. Your feelings around money can have a huge impact on your well-being and your wellness. Money can't buy happiness, for sure it cannot. But one has to look at money from a different lens. Money is only a tool. It could be used as a tool or it could serve as a shackle around our feet that causes 
financial burdens. But money used as a tool in the right manner, smart financial decisions will allow you to reach financial independence. And financial independence and security can wield powers against burnout. Financial security gives you a choice. You can choose how you spend your money, including your work as a physician, because you want to, not because you have to. Working towards financial security can mitigate your risk of burnout. We all have to recognize that we all have financial commitments to ourselves, to our family, to a broader family. We have monthly expenses that we need to pay. In fact, the largest monthly expense that we have are mortgages, student loans, and auto loans. We have other smaller monthly expenses to shoulder. But yet, if we do not know how to properly manage money because we've never learned how to do so, how do we get ourselves out of this vicious cycle where we have to work faster, harder, longer, just to make enough money to pay for those monthly expenses? Well, in fact, we don't have to pay for those monthly expenses if we know how to manage it. Unfortunately, most of us do not have the knowledge to properly manage money. Some of us and some of you may think you are very good at it, but if you actually sat down and looked at every single money coming in and going out and figure out all the things you need to do to prepare yourself for financial security, you will see gaps. Over the years, I've come across this great book called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. And what this book is talking about is that we exchange our life energy for money. And so as healthcare professionals, that's what we do. We don't produce widgets. We don't produce IT software. We care for people. The only way we can care for people is if we actually see them, touch them, examine them. And so therefore, the only way to do that is to be there and to be present. And so we exchange our time for the paycheck that we earn. And if you think about it, if we exchange our life energy for money, should we not be more careful with how we spend and save our money? Because we are actually giving away our life energy for it. And yet, we do not know how to do that. And so are we exchanging our life energy and wasting it away? Why is it that we refuse to teach physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, how to properly manage their life energy? When I hear of stories of physicians who cannot retire at the age of 70 because they cannot afford to retire is extremely disheartening. And I don't hear this story just once. I hear it over and over and over again from my physician colleagues, but also from my financial industry friends, the different bankers and bank managers or the different financial planners that I speak to. They all give me very similar stories. Dentist, on the contrary, is very different from physicians. Dentists are very astute 
and know how to manage money. And most likely because of the fact that they are entrepreneurs, they manage their office, they know how to manage money. Whereas physicians, most of us work in hospitals and most of us get paid by a single payer. We have no need to learn how to manage an office, how to manage money, how to run a budget, how to save. And for those reasons, we are totally at a disadvantage. And this type of story comes back over and over again from my financial planner friends. We can make smart financial decisions to lessen our financial burdens. Then we can find the work-life balance to make the journey one we will want to travel. Most physicians didn't get into medicine to earn a bunch of money. They did it to help patients. And yet, more and more often, physicians are also declaring they want a work-life balance. They want to enjoy life outside of the hospital and their profession. But when doctors' work-life balance is missing, they have a system that is so broken and an educational system that is so contradictory, a broken system that is staring them in the face. Physicians have no choice but to either go into depression and burnout or have to find a way to get out and join the dropout club. If most of you don't know what the dropout club is, it is a club for physicians who no longer want to practice medicine. As mentioned by Dr. Crosby in our previous discussion about burnout, there are not many things that physicians can control. We cannot control Dr. Google. We cannot control the EMR system that our hospital chooses. We cannot control the volume that comes into the emergency department. We cannot control how unions behave. We cannot control who our bosses are. And so if there's all those things we cannot control, how can we manage our burnout? Is yoga, mindfulness, rest enough? Clearly the answer is not. Otherwise we wouldn't be having 86% of emergency physicians in Canada burnt out we wouldn't be having 40% of all physicians in Canada burnt out. So if yoga and mindfulness are not the only solution, what else? And the only one thing that physicians feel like they have control over is their finance. But many of us do not know how to do that. We have to learn. We are babies when it comes to financial literacy. We have to be given the opportunity to learn. So how do we fix this problem? How do we fix burnout? Well, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not here to tell you how to fix burnout. But I'm here to say that at least allow physicians to properly learn how to manage their money and to make this topic no longer a taboo topic. Help physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, physiotherapists, chiros, optometrists, dentists, help all these individuals so that they are no longer victims and no longer targets of the financial industry, that they can help themselves, that they can learn the financial basics to get them back on track to financial security. The next thing that we can do 
is to work with financial planners who also subscribe to the same fiduciary duty we do. These are the people we want to work with. We want to work with financial advisors and planners who have fiduciary duty to us to make sure that they plan for us and that the plans are in our best interest, not the banks, not the financial institutions, and not their best interests. But how do we know who is a good financial advisor if we don't know what to look for? We need to allow physicians to be educated on personal finances. We need physicians to be educated on money management. We need to stop making this topic a taboo topic. And we need to stop ignoring the elephant in the room. How is my financial health, Doc? podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.